This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, welcome to the October 2019 Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous Fellowship Convention Qualification Meeting. I am a food addict from Alberta, Canada, and I am your leader for this hour. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's such a privilege to be here and to be amongst my fellows. Um, I came into program in 2006 at uh, 230 pounds. Um, I came in for someone else. I didn't come in for myself. And I believe that's because my higher power knows me so well. (laughs) Um, I'm always looking out for the other person, you know, uh, but really wanting it for myself. Um, I am the youngest of eight children. I was born into a family that moved from um, Europe just after the war. And um, my parents had many children. They didn't have a lot of money. Um, they were real pioneers. They, they did very well for themselves, um, but they were just average folk. But they came from very affluent families in Europe. So I had a lot of confusion around, you know, we have no money, but we're going to live like this. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite memories is, all of us dressed up in our Sunday best on the front lawn in a house that looked like a chicken coop. And, uh, you know, somebody was taking some kind of 8 millimeter film to show the people in Europe how well we were all doing. My mother in her beads and her lovely dress. And, you know, and, you know then we went inside and we were lucky if we could find what we needed to have our, our meal. And, um, but, you know, as a child, I, you know, I watched... Uh, had the pleasure of watching those eight millimeter films. And I remember, you know, I, you'd see this little girl skipping around and always so happy. And everyone would say, oh, she's so delightful and she's happy all the time. And, and I, I, I think I was like that. I remember the fields of daisies. I remember how lovely it was. And I don't know, I think it was around the, maybe when I was like eight or nine years old that I remember there was comments about, oh, you better, you should hold your stomach in, you know, and, um, oh, you know, how much did you eat, you know, or you don't need that extra piece, Um, all those kinds of comments, and I know that was when I started thinking there's something wrong, and um, I believe, you know, God bless my mom, that she was a a food addict, Um, 
I know today she's, she's been gone for over 20 years. I know she'd be very happy that I found this program um, and, you know, finally figured out what the problem was. Um, for years, she looked for a solution. And, and I think, you know, a lot of her fear, doubt, and insecurity was passed on to us. And um, so, you know, at that time, I remember starting to feel like I'm not right right around eight or nine years old, and I had, you know, older siblings and the brothers just next to me, just, just older than me, you know, they were just normal boys at that age, and, you know, they, they really tapped into that feared out and insecurity, and, you know, they were telling me things like, did you know you were adopted? And I'd be like, I am not, and they'd say, yep, and your adoption, I'd say, there's no adoption papers, and they're, yep, they're locked up in that box. My dad had a box of his special papers. They're locked up in that box. They just don't show you, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I, you know, I look just like my mom. I don't know why I, you know, but I thought, oh my gosh, I'm adopted. And, you know, they would just torture me, like normal kids do. And, um, but then as the weight started to come on, because of that fear, doubt, and insecurity, the, the torturing got worse, and the name-calling got worse. And then it started at school. And, um, you know, it, I remember just feeling really uncomfortable in school. And when I was about, I guess, when I was going from uh, elementary school to um, high school, I thought I was, you know, over 200 pounds, and I remember um, talking to my, my, my sister-in-law. She was only 20 years old at the time, and she said, we're going to get you fixed up, she said. And she took me to her doctor, and her doctor um, had put her on diet pills, and so she was losing weight really quickly. At that time, the diet pills that they gave you were speed. It, there's no other explanation for them. And she said, sat me down there, and she said, she needs some of those pills. He didn't question, he didn't look at me. I don't remember him looking at me or asking me any questions. He just gave me a prescription. And so I, I took that uh, pill, the same as my sister-in-law, for the summer. And um, it was we were crazy. You know, we didn't eat anything all day long. Um, and then we would eat some takeout item, you know, at, at night and binge out on it. And But every day at 5 o'clock, I would lock myself in the bathroom and cry. And, but, you know, I thought, it's worth it if I can get this weight off. If I could just get this weight off my body. Because I didn't want to go to high school fat. Like, that, that was really scary to me. Um, we also spent um, the summer sewing. You know, we sewed all of our clothing back then. And I remember sewing this. I was so proud of myself. I sewed this outfit for, to wear to school the first day. And, you know, here I'd lost 40 pounds. I was, you know, I was a crazy person, but I, I had lost this weight, and I was like, okay, I'm going into high school, and I'm going to fit in. Day one, I thought, oh, I, I, I feel a little bit okay, like I fit in. By, you know, November, I couldn't zip that thing up anymore. Um, I found the canteen. I found money in my parents' pockets, and that's when that crazy business began. And then I found alcohol because I didn't know what to do with myself and the food wasn't cutting it anymore. So then I found alcohol and I started hanging out with the wrong crowds and 
getting myself into trouble. And then when I was about, I don't know, later on in my teen years, I started, you know, thinking, oh, you know, guy, no guys are looking at me. So, um, you know, there was, there was just so much um, that I couldn't process. And um, my mom had some mental health, health issues. So I just kind of was starting to realize that maybe I had some of those same mental health issues because I didn't really want to live anymore. And there, you know, things were pretty dark at certain times. And I was starting to isolate and I just didn't want to be around anymore. And so um, that was when the, um, you know, the talk about therapies and, you know, antidepressants started and I didn't at that time I I didn't really want to go on any kind of medication like that so I avoided it but I was managing my mental health with substances and I went away to college and I um, went on a calorie diet thought okay we're gonna do this now and I lost 80 pounds I thought okay now we got her now we got her and but I was drinking, like my calories were alcohol and maybe a little bit of food and, um, and still smoking. And then I went to, um, I graduated from college and I tried, I, I, I kind of maintained that, that 80, I was still 180 pounds. So, well, I shouldn't say, I was about 170 pounds, I think, at that point, so... Anyway, I remember getting, uh, graduating from college and getting home, and it was just like a wrestling match to keep that weight off. I, I, I just could hardly keep it off. And um, then it started to creep back up again, but um, I had met a young fellow, and it was a really kind of an unusual relationship. He was four years younger than me. Um, I was 20 when I met him, and he was 16, it was, it was really odd to have had that relationship with that young man, but he seemed so much older and more mature and everything. Anyway, we dated for four years and got married and had three children. And when I got married, I was at 150 pounds and thought I had arrived. This was it. I was marrying this really good-looking man. You know, everything was was going on and we were moving to the west and you know this was life beginning for me um but when i moved to the west i followed myself and within a short space of time um i got pregnant and that was wonderful having our first child and then the weight started to come back and all that weight came back (laughs) and but he loved me anyway and then I had two more children, back and forth with Weight Watchers, that kind of thing. And I became a Weight Watchers leader, thinking, well, that'll keep the weight off, because now I'm telling everybody else how to do it. But I was still eating copious amounts of particular foods, because I needed that, um, the quantities. I really needed the quantities. Um, I grew up on a fruit farm, and so we were used to quantities. If you didn't get enough supper, you just went out into the orchard um, or the vineyard and you could just eat till you couldn't move anymore. 
And so um, in the Weight Watchers program, I was trying to find that those copious amounts of food that I could eat that would give me that same full feeling. And I, I miraculously could find them. And, um, but, you know, I, I was going into those Weight Watcher meetings just like um, somebody on TV, you know, I'm just, hi, everybody, and I, could, and I could pull that off because that's another part of my disease is that the mental illness, that the highs and the lows. Um, I suffered from the depressive part, but then I started to recognize that there was these highs, and I didn't recognize them till much later. Um, and so um, I did that for a while, and then I couldn't do it anymore, and I said to the Weight Watchers group, well, I'm, um, I had had a baby. I had just um, started some part-time work. I just couldn't do it anymore. But the truth was I had just gotten about my third or fourth pink slip from Weight Watchers saying, you know, alert, alert, your, your weight's got to go down. And I could not lose that last five pounds. I could not get it off. I white-knuckled. I, I gave up those bingy foods that I was eating. I, I couldn't get it off. And um, so I stopped that, and I was quite relieved, but quickly the weight came back on, very quickly. Um, and then, you know, I, I just, I, I had a, I ended up, you know, fast forward, you know, years later uh, in a divorce, put on, again, put on some more weight. Um, but that's when the mental, um, the anxiety and the, the mental illness really kicked in for me. Um, I had been on antidepressants off and on over time. Never, it never worked. It just sort of took away six months of my life most times. Um, I wouldn't be able to cope. I'd go to the doctor. He'd give them to me one type or another. I'd be on them for about six months just kind of walking around, and then I would sort of start feeling better. Okay, now we can go off of them. Let's see where we go from here. And that would last for a while, and then you'd go through that again. So um, it wasn't until years later that um, I started to realize that th this, there was some really bizarre manic behaviors that started, and um, I was with a, a mental health um, professional one time, and she said to me, I just want you to read this information, she said, and see if you can identify with it. And it was some information about um, bipolar disorder. And when I read that, it was like, uh, a light went on, like, oh, this is what I have. This is definitely what I have. And it didn't show itself except um, at times where people could sort of confuse it with, um, oh, she's just doing really well right now. You know, of course she's going to be happy. Um, and then, you know, the depressive part would come when after there was a death or after there was a divorce or after there was something sad happened. So, oh, well, that, you know, of course she's going to be sad now. But then there was this really strange time afterwards where I would go into this this high. And it was like I was all better and things were just great. And, you know, money was no object. And there was so when I was reading this information, I'm like, yeah, this is me. This is me. And um, so what they assured me was that um, this, this, this girl, this woman, she said, you've been on the wrong medication all along. Now you've got to go on this other medication, and this is what's going to work. So I was like, yay, we finally figured this all out. It was like the solve the problem, the puzzle. And I went on that medication. And I was on that for about six years, still very overweight. 
and feeling like, um, you know, there was, I was carrying a, a, quite a large weight on my head. I was not, I, I was kind of unemotional, I guess. There was just kind of no emotion. And then um, I, I decided I, I needed to do something about my weight. And um, I came into, um, I, I, there was a friend of mine, and she'd been, we'd been trying all kinds of different diets, and nothing was, nothing was working for any length of time. And um, so I met this friend who, um, or I knew this woman for a long time, and she was, you know, close to 300 pounds. And she would never go on the bandwagon with us. Like, we'd say, oh, we found this diet. And she'd be like, nah, go ahead. And she'd keep eating. And we thought, oh, she's poor her, you know. And then eventually she started something. And she, um, we didn't really know what it was. But we just thought, oh, isn't that great? I watched her. <laughs> it's unbelievable when I think about it. I watched her for like two years before I, I actually thought, oh, uh, maybe there's something to this, and honestly, it wasn't the um, it wasn't her weight loss that impressed me so much, as she was a real out there gal. She <laughs> she still can be, but she was a really out there gal. And I'm telling you, she changed. She changed. She became a different, calmer, more peaceful. Um, there were so many different things about her that I thought, she's really changed. So I think that that's what I was watching. Like, is that really going to last? You know, when's the real, you know, person coming back out again? And, and then I just saw that serenity. I didn't know the word even was serenity, but I just saw there was something about her that was just attractive to me. And so, um, like I, say, I said, originally I came into this program for someone else. I, I have a family member, and I thought, well, you know, I don't want that person to experience the same thing that I have in walking around in this overweight body for so many years and the struggles I've had. So I said, you know, there's a couple of different programs I was thinking about. And this was in January, I guess. There's a couple of different things I've been thinking about. If you're interested, you know, maybe we could go together. And I had just come from uh, um, a diet where you only ate... Um, I think there's something around like that now where you, you didn't eat any carbs or whatever and you put your body into this um, state of ketosis or something and then the weight was just falling off like nobody's business. And I had lost 40 pounds. I thought, wow, this is, this is, a, this is a cinch. This is great. And, but uh, we went skiing. I was still skiing at 230 pounds. And I remember uh, I thought, just to myself, you know, just for this week, I'm just going to just set that aside. Um, I couldn't wear the clothes home. I, uh, the weight came on so fast, and I embarrassed myself so badly on that trip. Like, I was practically eating food out of, off of other people's plates. It was really embarrassing and humiliating. Um, one young man, he was 14, and he said, I can't believe you ate my thing. And I, I was so embarrassed. I you know, I was getting up like earlier than everybody else so that I could eat. It was, it was nutty. We were all living in this house together. Anyway, the weight came on really fast. So I knew when I got back, I thought, well, that's not the one. <laughs> that's not the diet we're going to try. That one didn't work so hot. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll go to this one that this woman has tried. And, and when I got there, there was a woman at the front of the room. She was absolutely, she was just tiny. She was um, much younger than me, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, yeah, 
looking. You know, I do do that. Uh, I hope they're listening. I hope they're looking. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, it's me that's got to be paying attention. But um, it was really lovely to, to hear her story. I I thought she's very tiny, and you know, she had lost forty pounds or something. And I thought, well, she's very tiny. She doesn't, you know. Anyway, she um, she knew a lot more than what I knew. She knew, and uh, thought she knew. And so I left that meeting. Um, there was one person available to sponsor. I graciously let the other person have it, have that sponsor. And I thought, I, I, I can figure this out. I'll get, it, I'll get the story from this other person, and we'll figure this out. I heard no flour, no sugar. So I went, home, I went to the grocery store from, from the meeting. I went to the grocery store, and I bought anything and everything that did not have flour and sugar in it because that's the mentality I had from this other diet. So I had like a cartload of food that had no flour and no sugar in it. I made darn sure, and I thought, this is going to be awesome because I can eat all of this stuff. And I was excited in the grocery store because I'm like, oh, I can eat that, I can eat that, I can eat that. Oh, it's all good. And then that other person in my family said, I think you got it all wrong. You, that's not how this works, and um, you might need to get a sponsor. Um, and... Um, you know, if you call this lady, she'll give you a, a number. And so I called this lady, and she said, she explained to me what we had to do and suggested I go through the groceries and get rid of them. <clears throat> I had family, so I thought, well, somebody here is going to eat them. But, you know, it's funny how nobody ate stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I, anyway, I, um, I started, and... Um, you know, it was kind of a bumpy start, and then somebody said something about a um, uh, an AWOL, which is a way of life study. And um, but you can't be um, on medication um, that um, any kind of mood altering medication um, if you want to participate in this particular group. There was, you know, choices of groups, but I, for some reason, took this as a sort of a. a a sign, I guess. It wasn't a challenge. It was just a desire of my heart that I didn't want to be on that medication. And I I did it very safely. I talked to a lot of people, and I I had my psychiatrist, my my doctor, my family members. Um, I had people watching me very closely, and um, I asked them to to please get me whatever help I needed um, if they saw fit. And... um, that was 13 years ago, and um, by the grace of God, I, uh, I'm, uh, I can call myself sane. Maybe some people around me won't call me that, but uh, I do feel like I have a, a much calmer, sane mind and much better reasoning, um, much better decision-making. Um, I've got... A lot, a long way to go still, but um, I've come so far. And um, I just really want to emphasize that the um, involving people around you and your sponsor included, you know, in that whole process. And my AWOL leaders, there was so many people involved that it was a, uh, I felt very supported and cared for during that whole time. The meetings um, where I am, um, they're not large. Um, they're small fellowship. Um, 
you know, we have many different kinds of um, recovery in this program. Mine is of the, the type that has to really, um, I guess in order for me to be um, of a healthy mind and body, I know very clearly what my recovery program has to look like. Uh, my tools, my, um, uh, my food, my phone calls, um, you know, all of those tools uh, have to look very clear to me um, in order to maintain my abstinence from the flour and sugar and from the medication. Um, that's really important to me. Um, I came from a religious family. I was raised in a religious home. I had a strong, solid religious base. Um, I stepped away from it as a teenager and young adult and um, came back to it again later in life and questioned it again in recovery and shopped around a little and came back to it again. And I guess what I've realized is that the same higher power that was there when I came into this world is the same higher power that I have today. And no matter where I am or what kind of practice I do, I have that same higher power. And um, as long as I walk through this life with that higher power, I, I know that, you know, I still make a ton of mistakes in terms of, you know, how, um, you know, exactly things are done in this program. Um, I don't know if I, you know, I just wasn't listening the first time around, but, you know, it can be a year or two later, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, was I supposed to be doing that? <laughs> and, uh, oh, okay, <laughs> go back, you know, and um, thank you, God, they, they haven't been um, uh, breaks in, in abstinence with flour and sugar. Um, I have had a couple of uh, setbacks at the start where, you know, I just, I, I wasn't asking for what I needed, and that's kind of um, something I've really had to be um, aware of because as the youngest child, um, I didn't really feel heard a lot of the time. And sometimes I got what I, I just got stuff, and so I didn't even know what I needed. Um, and then later in life, I felt like, you know, maybe um, people were too busy or had too much going on that I couldn't ask for what I needed. And so I'm just, I'm still just learning how to do that. Um, about three years ago, uh, about three years ago, just a little over three years ago, um, my husband passed away. And I don't know, I would never in a million years have guessed this was ever going to happen. Same as, you know, there's other events that I've gone through in recovery, um, you know, with my um, young, younger children, and then, again, later, adult children, lots of life experience. They've sure thrown us a few curveballs, but, um, and, you know, divorce, and um, the divorce was before recovery, but honestly, I didn't process it until I was in recovery, and then, uh, you know, going through um, a marriage and combining two families. We, I had three children. He had three children. Um, I was not in recovery when that all happened, and when I woke up, it was like, oh my gosh, what have I got here? 
uh, when I came into recovery. And um, no, lots of people said, you got the Brady Bunch. I said, they forgot to give me the maid. I said, they <laughs> gave me the Brady Bunch, but they forgot the maid. And, um, you know, and I was, I was crazy in the food. I was crazy in the food. And so I have had the opportunity to make lots of amends to my, my kids. And I'm still in the process of that. I'm, I'm very blessed. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. One year, it was, um, I, when I was working the steps and I was making amends, and I had no intention of making an amends to my husband at that particular time. And somehow it ended up that I ended up um, in a situation where I thought, oh, it seems to be this is, it was sort of last minute thing, and I made this amends to him. And when he passed away, I, I could look back and I could think, you know, even my higher power was there all through it. Like that, you know, he knew, he knew what was coming. And somehow I almost feel like I was brought into recovery to get stronger and to have strong relationships with people. And, you know, even something as, it sounds kind of crazy, but having a relationship with the same sponsor for a long period of time, it helped me so much because my sponsor knew me better <laughs> than my husband. <laughs> and so it wasn't, you know, it sounds crazy, but there was this thing of, oh, nobody knows me as well. You know, this person who was so close to you. And, and I'm like, oh, yes, there is. <laughs> there is somebody who knows you so well. And my fellows, like everybody, the you know, they weren't like glomming on me, but they were there supporting me. A month after he passed, I was at the business convention and, you know, it was just embraced and carried through that time. And, you know, the day after, I had a friend who's not in recovery and she flew out and she just, <laughs> she knows what I do. She's watched me do it so many times, time after time, putting my food on the scale. And she's like, she's so bossy pants and she's overweight. And she said, all right, everybody, out of the kitchen. I got to make Barb's abstinent food. <laughs> and she had, she had it all going on. And, um, you know, everybody was so respectful of my recovery. And, it, you know, it really helped me to, to deal with a life event. And I know that had I not had this fellowship, you know, I'd been hospitalized for, for my mental health issues. And... I remember sitting there thinking, I'm here at home, and I felt not like I was in a hospital, but I, that I was in hospital, I was in care. And, you know, my phone was right beside me, there was people calling, and I could call them back or not. They were just, you know, leaving a message. Um, like I said, my friend came, and she was supporting me, and um, I remember feeling kind of lost one night that, you know, the food... I stayed abstinent through it all, but there was times where um, if I'd get up in the night and if there was things around, I, I, they started to talk to me. And I remember waking up one of my kids and I said, um, that stuff is, is starting to bother me. And I, I didn't like having it around. And um, when I, and I, I, I must have dozed off. I, I wasn't sleeping much at the time, but when I woke up, it was all gone. And... I thought, wow, you know, my kids had so much respect for me. I would never have dreamt that they'd have that kind of respect for me because I was a crazy person raising them. I, I think, you know, I don't know how they turned out the way they did, quite honestly. But 
I just felt so honored that they had that much respect for me that they 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 took it away, and they were, um, yeah. It, I've just been very fortunate. Um, I've since um, you know moved and sold my place, sold a lot of things, and I am still in a small but um, good fellowship. Um, I rely a lot on on um, people in different fellowships. I have a strong relationship with um, my sponsor and my sponsees, and um, I'm, you know, I look at different areas, and I have temporarily lived in another area now where there isn't um, any FA meetings, and I've um, become a part of some AA fellowships, and that's that's been really good for me. Um, it's really given me some insight into um, what it's like for people who don't have FA meetings uh, right close to them and how wonderful it is for AA to embrace us. and to. Um, so I'm hoping that over time, if I can find some people in that area, it would be lovely to start an FA meeting. Um, while I'm there, I pass out brochures and talk to you know, medical professionals about what we do, and they're quite interested and quite fascinated, actually. And um, so, you know, I don't know what the future is going to bring. And I know that in the past, I would have been in my bed with food, blankets over my head, not knowing what to do with myself. And today, um, and every day, I get up, I weigh and measure my food, I you know, talk to my sponsees, take my sponsee calls, make my sponsor call, you know, just the very basic tools that are, I love the new um, Living Absently booklet. It just lays things out in black and white. And I love to be able to, you know, refer to that and give that to my sponsees because, um, you know, it just, it's, it just says everything that um, we need to know when we're working our tools. Um, yeah, I think that's about all that I have to cover off today. I'm very, very grateful for FA. It saved my life. I, you know, I was suicidal a lot of the time. I had no purpose. Um, today, I'm kind of looking forward to what my higher power has in store for me, which is really unusual. And I'm very grateful that I get to pass on um, what I've been so generously given. And I mean generously. Um, you know, when I started to sponsor, I realized the magnitude of sponsoring. And when I first came in, I thought, well, of course she's going to take my call. She's, you know, she's running this show, you know. Then I come to realize, you know, um, it's just been uh, very humbling to realize, you know, that someone would pick that phone up and listen to my stuff day after day after day and really care. And um, I'm very grateful for that. And I hope that I can pass on just a tiny bit of that. Um, so, thanks. So, please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording.
To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.